Good evening, and welcome to the Independent News Hour. I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's lefty newspaper and website. We're online at independent.org, I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G. And our brand-new April edition hit the streets across the city today. You can find it in our red and white news boxes in more than 60 public libraries, as well as independent bookstores, cafes, social movement centers, and other venues. My co-host, Abba Gagarian, is away this week. In the first half of today's Independent News Hour, we will look at the battle over New York State's $227 billion annual state budget. The money allocated in the budget affects every aspect of New Yorkers' lives, from education and health care to mass transit to policing and jails, parks, roads, you name it. But who will reap the benefits of this spending? New York's uh, well-heeled and well-connected uh, uh, one percenters and their lobbyists, or will New York's uh, long ignored working class see more benefits this year? Governor Kathy Hochul and the state legislature are facing an April 1 deadline to complete the budget. On Saturday, hundreds of New Yorkers with the Invest in Our New York Coalition marched from Columbus Circle to Billionaires Row on Fifth Avenue to call for higher taxes on New York's wealthiest residents to pay for an expansion in much-needed social spending. And State Senator Jabari Brisport from Brooklyn was among the speakers. We are tired of extremely wealthy individuals who donate untold sums of money to remix society in their image. New York does not look like them, it looks like us. New York is not for them, it is for us. It is for all of us. And so, when we pass this budget, we will tax the rich, Governor Hogan. our future. We will invest in our New York. We will make sure our communities can thrive. And we will win. We will win. We will win. Again, that was uh, the Saturday's uh, March on Billionaires Row on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan on the Upper East Side. Hundreds of people joined in that march. And in the second half of that clip, you heard State Senator Jabari Brisport, socialist from Brooklyn, uh, addressing the crowd. Uh, so the uh, battle continues up in New York, in Albany, our state capital as well. And earlier today, I spoke with uh, Assembly member Zoran Mamdani, another socialist uh, who represents the 36th Assembly District in Astoria and Long Island City and Queens, uh, who is uh, also pushing for uh, the same priorities that the people who were marching on Saturday uh, were advocating for, uh, higher taxes on the rich to uh, pay for an expansion in a number of uh, key uh, social programs in New York. And uh, uh, we're going to go to this uh, interview with uh, uh, Zoran Mamdani, and uh, we'll uh, listen in and catch up on the latest from Albany. Assemblyman Zoran Mamdani, welcome back to the Independent News Hour. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yes. So for starters, 
can you paint the scene right now as far as what's going on uh, in the state capitol on a day-to-day or even hour-to-hour uh, basis, the meetings, discussions, bargaining, the pressure from both well-heeled lobbyists as well as people-powered movements? Absolutely. Well, you know, today is March 21st and the state budget is due on April 1st. So these next you know, week and a half to two weeks, and I anticipate even a little longer, given the likelihood that the budget will go late, um, is a time of a contest for what the vision of New York State should be. And for many of us, you know, members of the assembly or members of the Senate, we are not in those rooms having the negotiations with the governor ourselves, but rather we have meetings with our own leadership when there is an update to be had. And those are the moments where we have a chance to organize and make it clear as to what kind of vision that we would be fighting for that we deem is, you know, one that we could support and, and making sure that when there are compromises and concessions, that it's not working people who um. are and have pushed off the brink as, yeah, as the consequence of that. Early, and, and what's your sense of the uh, balance of uh, forces right now in Albany between the governor's uh, seemingly very pro-corporate vision and uh, the kind of vision that people like yourself have? Well, you know, I think it's it's um, it's a very high-stakes few weeks in that coming out of the one-house budgets, which are, for those who are not familiar, the budget proposals that come out of the Assembly and the Senate, so the legislature at large, there are a number of priorities for socialists and um, for, for anyone who cares about working class people and their lives here in New York State to fight for and to retain in the final budget. Some things that come to mind are key elements of the Fix the MTA campaign, so namely the rejection of a fair hike, the funding of a free bus pilot for $50 million of 10 routes across five boroughs, two routes per borough, then uh, the support for good cause eviction, a piece of legislation that we've been trying to pass in Albany longer than I've actually even been serving as a legislator, as well as the Build Public Renewables Act, uh, a, a true priority for the eco-socialist uh, working group and wing of, of of the organization. And so all of these things have life. They have the possibility of actually coming to fruition. And so in these next two weeks, we try and do everything that we can to make sure that the call for those things does not diminish with the passage of time, but rather gets louder and louder and becomes an undeniable one. Right. And uh, the MTA is an issue you've uh, been especially outspoken about recently. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about your vision for free bus fare and and why you think that's uh, so important? Absolutely. You know, free buses, this is something that was a part of my campaign uh, when I ran for state assembly, albeit not one that we, you know, um, spoke about forcefully as one of our, our primary issues, but it was something that was of interest from the beginning. Um, and one of the core reasons why I think that it's critical that we fight for and achieve the funding for a free bus pilot is because we've seen that when you make buses free, you are making buses faster, you are making buses safer, and you are making buses universally accessible. And I don't mean that in a pithy rhetorical flourish, but in a very literal sense, you know, in Boston, when they implemented uh, three routes as, as free routes, in those routes, they saw a decrease of 23% in dwell time for passengers to get on the bus, because now there was no waiting in line to, you know, 
swipe your Metro card or scan your Omni of anything of that sort. Every single door was open and people could freely get on the bus. In Kansas City, when they implemented free buses, they saw a 39% decline in assaults on buses and an 80% increase in passengers feeling safer. And we know that both reality and perception of reality are critical influences in how people think and feel about safety. And free buses has a positive impact on both of those things. And finally, there's more riders. There's more riders, but I think also, you know, when you talk to bus drivers, um, there's a, a, a VP of, of bus operations at TWU. His name is JP Patafio. He's been fighting for free buses for, for many years. And he told me that he, you know, works with over 5,000 bus operators in Brooklyn and 50% of assaults on bus operators come from interactions around the fare box when an operator says you know you have to pay your fare or you need to pay it and then a passenger takes it out on the operator and for so long we've seen a response to that as oh we need to increase the criminal penalties around assault but you know to be frank as socialists we know if there's a seven-year penalty for assault increasing that penalty to nine or ten years that is not the factor that actually influences and mitigates uh, any kind of harm or, or a violation of, of a bus operator. That, that, that's like a tough on crime version of uh, virtue signaling. Exactly. And, and you know, we have to prove that we care about safety by doing so in a manner that actually has the results that we're seeking. And so we've seen that that making buses free actually has that impact. And then finally, you know, in terms of universal impact, as socialists, we are driven by the cause to ensure that our working class brothers and sisters and, and family beyond the binary are living lives that are more than simply making enough money to, to, to pay for their bare minimums and, and, and their basic necessities. And right now what we're seeing here in New York City and across New York State is that 20% of low-income New Yorkers are having to forego job opportunities, you know, uh, doctor's appointments because of the cost of the fare. So we are already having this massive barrier to people even being able to live out the mildest dream that they may have where they can take care of their basic needs. We get rid of that. We allow there to be more freedom in the lives of, of working class New Yorkers. And this uh, this vision is still still alive in the negotiations of, of the 10 free bus routes? Very much so. So, you know, our... Um, our initial proposal was free buses across uh, the five boroughs over four years. And um, through some, you know, a, a really beautiful amount of organizing on the outside, on the inside, as part of a larger coalition, we have managed to secure a rejection of the fare hike to $3 that was proposed by the governor and her budget. And that's a rejection in both the Senate and the Assembly's one houses, as well as a $50 million funding of this free bus pilot program of two routes per borough, so 10 routes in both the Assembly and the Senate. And so we're, we're fighting to preserve these things from the one houses within the final budget, as well as doing everything we can to add in additional funding for frequency. Um, which which we hope the governor could could input as part of as part of the trifecta of ways in which to to truly fix the MTA. Mm. And, and also, let's circle back to the Build Public Renewables Act. Uh, that was passed last year by the state senate, and then it died without a vote uh, in the assembly. Can you describe where things stand with the Build Public Renewables Act? Uh, in the assembly this time around, this uh, legislation that would vastly expand uh, uh, public power in uh, renewable energy sources in New York State? 
I'm quite hopeful of where we are in this moment. Um, hope does not mean, um, you know, a belief that we can sit on our hands and simply expect that it will, it will come to be in the way that we hope, but hope in that if we organize and we sustain the pressure that has been created as part of a mass movement, also delivered through a number of legislators, then we can accomplish the Build Public Renewables Act and its, and its core vision. Um, you know, the Senate has included the entire Build Public Renewables Act in their one house. The governor has proposed a what we call BPRA light in her executive budget. And the assembly has taken the governor's proposal and built on top of it, um, adding in critical and crucial labor protections, as well as a mandate that the New York Power Authority build whenever private companies are unable to hit the requirements that we passed here in, in New York State through the CLCPA. Um, so, so all of that is to say there are three visions of the Build Public Renewables Act included in each of the three budget proposals, and they are getting closer and closer to the vision that we have been fighting for, which is a vision where finally the state will step in and say the responsibility of dealing with the climate crisis cannot simply be fulfilled through the creation of mandates that we then hope corporations will fulfill, but will be through the fulfillment of those mandates and the insurance that if corporations can't do it themselves, the state will step in, the state will build out whatever is necessary to get us to a 2030 um, uh, scenario where 70% of our grid is powered by renewables. And do you feel like the uh, your uh, colleagues in Albany are getting more comfortable with the idea of uh, a larger role for the state in uh, providing uh, public goods? I think that, you know, um, bit by bit, I think there's a growing comfort around that. And I think a lot of it also comes from the firsthand experience that many colleagues and myself have had with the failures of private corporations who have stepped in where the state used to be. Um, you know, for me, it's Con Ed. For Sarahana Shrestha, it's Central Hudson. There are these um, utility companies that have shown time and time again what will happen when profit is the underlying motive to all operation. Right. And a final question uh, for people who might uh, be skeptical, uh, who, who would say, what is, you know, trying to maneuver inside the legislative process have to do with building socialism? How is this a part of a socialist project? How is this not just getting caught up in the in the in the same old, same old? What's your response to that? I think it's a very fair question to to ask, and I think that the my answer is that this can never be the entirety of the socialist project, but it must be a part of it. Because as socialists, our responsibility is to contest power wherever it may lie. Power exists within the state. Power also exists outside of the state. We must be contesting it in both of those places. And so my role here within the state is to ensure that in this $227 billion budget that we have on an annual basis, that we are fighting tooth and nail to ensure that we can change the material realities for working class people in New York State. And I think so far we have had some serious successes towards that. And in this budget, if we can pass, you know, the key elements of fix the MTA, BPRA, good cause, we could change those realities for our working class brothers and sisters and family beyond the binary. And so I would say that it, it, it is it is a worthwhile endeavor. It can never be the only endeavor. Okay. Assemblymember Zoran Mamdani uh, talking to us from Albany. Thank you so much for joining us on WBAI Radio. Thank you so much, John. It's always a pleasure. You bet.